Arturo Merán. Arturo de Londres. Estamos aquí de Welcome, you are listening the Spoken Tour. Bienvenidos, están escuchando the Spoken Tour. Well, it is Monday, November 13th. We're in the town of Uvita in Costa Rica, country number seven. Seven. For us. And since crossing, and actually it was on the day that we crossed into country number seven, we celebrated our six-month anniversary on the road, and that got us thinking about a lot of stuff, which we... Also 6,000 miles. Also 6,000 miles, same day, and I believe first monkey sighting on that day. Yep. And... Almost a six-hour border crossing as well. Yeah, a lot of milestones coming on that sixth anniversary day. Um, that got us thinking about a lot of stuff um, and we are excited to circle back to that later on in the episode but first, since we last spoke in El Tunco in El Salvador we had one of our most remarkable chance encounters of the entire trip um, that actually has its roots way, way, way back Yeah, so this encounter actually goes back five years ago uh, to when I was still a student at the University of Denver and I spent a semester in the northwest Indian state of Rajasthan and I had the amazing opportunity to meet a group of women um, who are from El Salvador that were in India um, training to be solar electricians. Um, so they're a group of women originally from El Salvador who had for the first time ever left their country to participate in a program where they became fully trained in becoming solar engineers with a group of women, about 20, 25 other women from uh, Sub-Saharan Sub Africa, the remote islands of the South Pacific, um, different pockets of Asia and other areas from Latin America. and. I spent uh, I spent a day with these women uh, in their kind of in their workshop where they were where they were training uh, very much so by chance uh, I was spending the day there and on the wall of their workshop they had a list of the name the names of the women and the countries that they were from and I saw a group of four women that was from El Salvador and uh, I had traveled to El Salvador with a group from Creighton Durham Hall back in 2008. I think, eight or nine? Eight, 2008. And uh, I saw these women's names from El Salvador and slowly started walking around the room to see if I might be able to find them and try and talk to them in my very average Spanish. And sure enough, I saw one of the names that matched up with one of the women on the list from El Salvador. And 
I kind of creepily stood behind her to hear if she was speaking Spanish, and sure enough, she was. So I introduced myself, and the look on their face when they realized that someone in the middle of the Indian desert was speaking to them in Spanish uh, was definitely a look I'll never forget. And so I spent the rest of the day with them just kind of shooting the breeze about any and all things El Salvador, from mangoes, in Indian mangoes versus Salvadorian mangoes, to um, their families, to traveling for the first time, and um, Indian spices versus Salvadorian spices, and uh, left, that, left that day feeling um, fulfilled in a way I'd never felt. Um, seeing... Seeing a woman, seeing a group of women be so out of their element, um, and just absolutely owning, uh, owning that moment, and so selflessly sacrificing six months of their lives to leave their families, leave their friends, leave their communities, to bring back to that very same community that they left the gift of um, of electricity for the for the very first time, the gift of light, um, just such a selfless, vulnerable thing to do. And it really kind of started steering my life in different directions. Uh, very, very impactful day. And uh, upon planning this trip, knowing that, in fact, we would be going through El Salvador, it was always kind of in the back of my mind that, well, hey, maybe there's a chance I'll be able to meet up with a couple of the Solar Mamas, who the women are affectionately called uh, Solar Mamas, um, in El Salvador when we're riding through. And... That kind of pipe dream of an idea kind of started to appear to be a bit more of a reality uh, upon meeting with a contact from the Barefoot College, Rodrigo in Antigua. And the, the is, oh yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it's fine. It's, it's kind of the... yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself. Um, talking a little bit about what Barefoot College is. Uh, your role with Barefoot College, and yeah, it's kind of the overall overall mission of of the Barefoot College. Uh, my name is Rodrigo Paris. I'm from Colombia. Uh, I'm working for Barefoot College during the last four and a half years, based now in La Antigua, Guatemala, with my Mexican wife Carmen. Uh, Barefoot College is a is not only an Indian institution, an Indian NGO created in 1972, but it's a it's a way of life. Uh, it's a place to understand that we need to reconnect with the with the roots and with the rural traditions, not only in India but in every single village or with every single village in, in our planet. The Barefoot College uh, project and purpose is to bring hope and tools for uh, rural people in Africa, Asia, Latin America and the Pacific to increase their uh, life conditions, to understand that Poverty is not uh, the absence of money, but is the 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 complex thinking that you are not uh, capable to do things. 
so we need to to break and to destroy this bad paradigm and uh, invest in, in human beings in rural areas uh, with education uh, through the women. Women are the most spectacular and fantastic uh, part of the universe and with the women I'm sure and we are sure in Barefoot that the world is going to be better uh, very soon but we need to involve and invest in, in the women uh, with our wife, with our friends, with our family and with the, every single woman around. So that was a snippet from our conversation with Rodrigo, who's a super impressive guy. Um, I, I couldn't help feeling though that there was just something missing when we walked away from his conversation. I kept expecting him to say, okay, here is um, the women you met are um, their names are this and this, and their address is here. This is how you can contact them. Um, enjoy, and you know we wish you all the best. But we didn't really get any of that information. What we got was the name of the island that these women lived on. And of course, to uh, to my Quixote partner and master of optimism and idealism, that was more than enough. So we set out. Um, through the rest of Guatemala, got into El Salvador, and started making our way towards the coast, all the while me kind of harboring these suspicions of, like, what what the hell is Tom getting us into? We're going to this off-the-beaten-path region of the El Salvadorian coast, which he assures me is on the way, so to speak, and uh, all we have to go on is the, the name of an island, nothing more. So we start riding, we veer off of our, our given track to make this side trip, we get to this region of the coast, and it's this surreal, like, deserted vacation wasteland with these giant hotels that look completely empty, and hardly any cars on the streets, hardly any people uh, walking around. It's just like a, a ghost town of, a, of an abandoned vacation past, and... Then we realize that the island that we're going to is like 10 miles further down this coast. So we get there. The only hotel that is within convenient proximity of the island is this behemoth that costs like 50 bucks a night. And so in order to uh, have a legitimate shot of getting up early the next morning and making it to the island, we swallow our pride and fork out the 50 to stay at this hotel. We arrange for a boatman to take us across to the island the next day, and all <laughs> while this is going on, Tom is kind of becoming more and more reserved as we're planning. He's talking less and less. Um, I'm asking him what he's thinking, and his, his responses are brief and not well thought out, and it seems like he's just slowly, slowly losing confidence that this whole thing that he has orchestrated is actually possible, which then starts me on a very negative train of thought that we've just wasted the energy to ride here, the time to ride here, the money to stay here, all for nothing. It was just, uh, it was kind of a, a very dark, questioning, uncertain beginning to this experience. Um, but the next morning we wake up, we find our boatman, and we go across the island. He docks on a beach and uh, he says something in rapid El Salvadorian Spanish and a guy points us to the far side of the island 
we hop back on the boat, go over there, we land at a dock and walk down, and then this guy kind of waves us into his yard and we follow him around the corner, and then this woman comes around the corner, and first thing she says when she sees Tom is, oh, ho, ho, I remember you. And right off the bat, there's just this instant explosion of energy and excitement, and it's like everything that we had put ourselves through to make it here has been well worth it. And I'm just, I'm kind of sitting back, fly on the wall, just letting Tom enjoy the success of this crazy idea that he hatched that has actually succeeded. And I notice he is choking on his words on this beach. Tears in his eyes as he's seeing Maura Carolina for the first time in five years. And he's like, his voice is cracking as he's introducing himself in Spanish. And they're saying their very sentimental hellos, like long lost friends who never expected that they would ever reunite, but they have. And from there, it was just an incredible day. These women were so impressive and so selfless. And uh, it was worth every cent we paid and every ounce of energy that we pedaled out of the way to get there. Yeah, it was uh it was pretty it was pretty funny as as we kind of yeah, slowly get it started getting closer and closer to the island. I kept turning to tie. I was like, "Dude, I I just want to reiterate, I really don't know if they're going to remember who I am. <laughs> yeah. I spent one day with them in India or if sure. we can even find yeah. them." Like, the odds seem to just be progressively getting more and more against us as we were getting closer and closer. Yeah, and it was, it was yeah, like Ty said, that moment where we we turned the corner and Mara Carolina standing there. And it was, it was such a surreal experience spending time with um, Maura and Rosa, the other woman we spent time with, um... In India, that experience itself was so surreal, and really never, kind of leaving leaving India, never expecting to see them again necessarily, and then this having this idea slowly develop and become more and more realistic. The closer we got to El Salvador, um, was again very very surreal, and having it actually come to life. Um, I haven't had many experiences like that in my life, as as powerful um, as powerful as that as that 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 single moment when um, Maura and I saw, saw each other and I recognized her and hearing hearing her say that she recognized me um, just floored me. I, I absolutely could not believe that she remembered who I was, and then her and uh, her solar mama companion Rosa dropping everything they were doing that day to just hang out and... And it was like, not even did they remember who you were, but they remembered specific conversations that you had. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was wild. It, it was it was so cool. And, um, I, you know, I told them that. I said, I, I, I just, I, we were just laughing, you know, time, we told them the whole story of, we didn't even know if you guys were going to be here. We took this boat, da-da-da-da, rode our bikes. And... Um, yeah, then told them that, like, you know, I was so worried that you weren't even going to remember me, and they, what surprised me so much was the impact that it had on them in India, in uh, a place where people speak Hindi, and they had no translators, no Spanish-Hindi translators, they're learning with colors, repetition, pictures, 
Um, and they're, you know, they're surrounded by this cohort, but at the same time, still so isolated in the regards of when you're unable to communicate with those around you. Um, and someone in the midst of that comes forth and sure, in by all means broken Spanish, starts talking with them um, about their home and where they're from, um, the impact that they had, that that day had on them. Um, and that just, for me, was so amazing to hear. Um, that I may have for a few hours of one day um, given them the gift of um, the, that, that, that special type of relief that you get of just talking about home and um, that reminder that home is going to be there, everything is going to be okay. Um, but yeah, it was spending the day with them, having the opportunity to spend an entire day with them again um, and just be around them. You know, it's not like we were solving the world's problems or um, doing anything super important. We were really sitting around and eating a bunch of food and yeah. drinking cold drinks and walking around the island. Um, you know, they it, they were able to show us some of their some of their uh, the the knowledge uh, of being solo engineers that they've put into practice and just how casually they were talking about. Um, their their training as solar electricians um, was really cool. It was it was like the equivalent of you know two women sitting around like dishing gossip, but they were just talking about the ins and outs of solar panels and circuit boards and um, you know battery to storage, like just all all this all this stuff that Ty and I are sitting there just like. Holy mackinoli! These women, these women are are, are something, and um, yeah, then just being able to share that experience with, with Ty um, was cool. At the end of the day, you know, as we're saying, um, as we're saying goodbye, Maura and Rosa are saying, you know, it, it was really cool starting starting this day seeing one one old friend and leaving this day with two friends. Um, that that was that was cool, and. Um, we almost didn't even catch our boat ride back because Maura <laughs> insisted on making us her. Uh, it was like a ceviche mixto yeah. that she made with uh, clams from the island, and they were just so gracious and like a shining model of how you should treat other people, regardless of the available resources that you have. Yeah, and uh, again, just a. a a very surreal experience um, riding away uh, the next day um, you know it's kind of back back to the reality of, of our of our bicycle trip we definitely had uplifted spirits and a new sense of fulfillment and purpose uh, you know we still sure we don't have a defining purpose a lot of the time of why the heck we're doing this trip still or what we're going to get out of it but um, one thing that at least for me, has been something I've been reflecting more and more about is experiences in life when you're when 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 you're when you're willing to make yourself vulnerable. At least for me, those experiences tend to be the most impactful and the largest opportunities for growth in whatever way that may be, and just reflecting on Maura and Rosa leaving their community, leaving their country for the first time, flying to literally the opposite side of the world and joining 20 other women who are in the same boat and spending six months learning how to 
be solar electricians and then bringing that opportunity bringing that knowledge back to their own communities um, it really made me feel better about uh, our trip and how this nearly every day one way or another we're making ourselves feel vulnerable and we're making ourselves continue to pedal forward and yeah we don't you know it's not like we have some defined set of skills that we're going to be walking away with but I'm just very excited to see how this you know year year and a half of making ourselves feel vulnerable has contributed to the way that we have grown as men and just as people and uh that was that was for me just a really cool a really cool connection and takeaway from from reconnecting with Maura and Rosa and just relighting that fire that they had they had started in my belly um about five years ago and it just felt like such an accomplishment that it actually all came together given how scatterbrained the whole thing was so yeah we definitely left um kind of riding high on a feeling of goodwill from the solar mamas and also just feeling good about ourselves that we were able to bring this whole thing together and put ourselves out there like tom said making ourselves vulnerable and coming away as better people at the end of it and so we continued to ride that high through the rest of el salvador about uh 36 or 38 hours in Honduras and then crossed into Nicaragua and we finally got a couple of rest days in Leon and while we were in Leon we had another kind of landmark moment for the trip when we were reading blog posts about Patagonian winter and the cycling conditions that exist down there at that time of the year and we kind of had this come to Jesus talk that we realized that it's gonna be a serious challenge to make it down there before the conditions become horrendous and that we neither of us were really up to the task of holding up for the winter and waiting it out until the following season of warm weather so I guess the takeaway from that was that it's kind of it's kind of now or never and that we wanted to kind of transform our mental approach from let the wind blow where it may and let the road take us wherever it goes to something more along the lines of having our eyes on the prize and having achievable goals that we can set for ourselves and continually kind of knock off the list um, as we make our way south. And then I think pretty fittingly that coincided with the six month Mm -hmm. mark that we talked about earlier. And one thing that we were discussing a lot between the two of us um, on that day was the perception of the passage of time on this trip versus when you're kind of in more of a daily routine. Because how often do you find yourself saying at the top of every month, holy shit, it's November, or whatever the time may be. It's just like every year goes by quicker and quicker, and the months just roll by without even knowing really what's going on and it just seems crazy sometimes and um we've been kind of we've been having this different feeling while being on the trip that uh there's the gut the same gut reaction that oh my god yeah it is november that is insane 
and then you take a second and you think back over the previous months and you look at all the things that you've done and the ground that you've covered and the miles you've ridden, people you've met, and all of this stuff kind of accumulates together to form this much bigger picture of all that you've done between May and November. And then you realize that, okay, maybe maybe it's all right that it's November now and that this is where we are because we've actually accomplished a lot. Yeah, we really, during the majority of our day, we don't have the ability while riding to just like completely zone out because when you start zoning out, you crash your bike or you forget to eat or drink water and then your whole day spirals down. And even, you know, even just staying mindful to the, gr- the degree of like watching out for potholes or making sure you're making the right turn or stopping to get water or eat a banana or whatever. It's just that, that ability to not fully zone out and just like kill kill time aimlessly which you know we're, I mean, we're definitely guilty of it's like we still find ourselves yeah on our phones at night yeah uh on wi-fi just like shitting away a half hour doing nothing mm-hmm. scrolling with our thumb um but at the same time that type of it it, all, it, all, it almost seems like so validated of like okay yeah i'm gonna give myself 30 minutes I'm yeah gonna give myself an hour to lay here and do absolutely nothing because I've been so mentally and physically spiritually stimulated for the last nine hours riding through this mountain pass through this storm whatever um, yeah it's it's, it's 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 cool like having time feel so perfectly substantial another another thing that kind of hit me at the six month mark when I was writing my journal on the that evening, I kept tapping the pen to paper, waiting for some perfect series of words to come together to inform in my mind that I could articulate and put down in my journal that would perfectly express what six months on the road with Tom has meant for me in my life and for my own personal growth. And I started to get really frustrated because the words weren't coming. And I started to think like, well, you know what's going on I, I know this is an important experience I should be able to express that some way and I just feel like I can't and so I was talking to Tom about that and he kind of helped me realize that the simplicity of the trip and the fact that it it can't really be perfectly summed up with with any series of words um, is reward in itself and that sometimes you just gotta let you gotta let the good things be good and not try and overanalyze it and um, I think the fact that we're both sitting here with six months under our belt and still having a drive and an eagerness to see what the the following six months has in store for us I think that that um, is probably the best indicator of what the trip has meant to us and one of the one of the cool parts, uh, the longer we're on the road, is the way that the trip that we're doing has reflected on other people, um, whether that's for good or for bad, happy or sad. Um, and we had a friend of ours, fellow DU pioneer Hank, um, send us a clip um, after the recent terrorist attack in New York City that targeted uh, bicyclists and um, pedestrians. And uh, just to give you a heads up, the clip isn't of the best quality. Um, 
we really wanted to include it because it's very relevant, it's very heartfelt, and we really appreciate that Hank, Hank sent this in. So um, here's a clip. Hey guys, this is Hank from uh, New York and unfortunately attending this voice memo on a more somber note, but uh, it's been a rough day uh, in terms of uh, eight people, specifically cyclists, were killed today by a terrorist who decided to run a truck and drive it uh, as fast as he could down about a half mile of the separate bike lane, you know, hitting as many as he could. Um, this is the route me and my roommate ride to and from work every day. Um, co-workers as well and it, you know I feel quite lucky at, you know, at this point that it, it wasn't any of us but it, you know, it makes you think and, and definitely pray for the families that were affected um, but also, you know, it also made me think about what you guys are doing and, and the, you know, the terrain you guys are biking through and I figured you might have an interesting tr perspective on this um, you know where you feel more safe uh, you know, surrounded by people and, and you know, potential help in an urban area or um, or out in the middle of nowhere uh, in Baja or something like that. So uh, just where do you feel safest riding your bike? And then also uh, if you've noticed any difference on how you're treated um, you know, from country to country, you know, whether the space you're given or the reaction you get from drivers and things like that. Um, and lastly, you know, if, if if this makes it on, or, you know, maybe we take a, a moment of silence for those that did lose their life just making healthy choices and getting some fresh air, you know, on the on the way to work or home from school or something like that. Because uh, I think that's the least we can do. Um, I guess what I'm struggling to to come to grips with um, after this event today is that no matter how you know diligent you are on the road and how safe you think you're being. You know, I can avoid crazy cab drivers, but and so can my friends. And but the people, you, you can't avoid something like this, if, and that uh, you know is pretty discouraging. But um, you know, hopefully they make changes and prevent it in the future. So um, with that, uh, I, I will say I love what you guys are doing on the spoken tour, and uh, each and every episode is a blast to listen to, especially as I sit at my uh, desk job. So. Please keep it up, and uh, we'll talk to you in a bit. Thanks. Hank, thank you for sending in that clip. It uh, definitely made us think. Um, and first, we want to take the time to answer your questions. The first one being, do we feel safer in urban areas or out in the middle of nowhere? And without a doubt, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, we've got you know, all the gear and stuff to make sure that we're self-sufficient and we can take care of ourselves no matter where we are and just not having the added stress and the added tension of being around a bunch of hustle bustle and cars and stuff um, is a lot easier on our minds and our bodies. Yeah, and your second question about do does it feel like we've been treated differently um, by drivers, people in each country that we've gone through and it's kind of, it was fun to talk about because Ty and I both had kind of a different answer um, I thought that yes, definitely. Uh, for me, it's been kind of by far the least enjoyable to ride through Costa Rica and El Salvador because uh, Costa Rica kind of tops my list as my least favorite um, just because we've been getting little to no uh, extra space given to us by drivers. Um, I feel like in the week we've been in Costa Rica, 
we've had more close calls than the entire three months we had in Mexico. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that it definitely does change from country to country a little bit with how cyclists are seen and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, and then, yeah, Ty had a different... I felt like, and I continue to feel like, it is more dependent on the conditions of the road than the attitudes of the drivers and their nationality. I feel like as long as there is space on the road between us and uh, the traffic and then the oncoming traffic, uh, if there's space, I feel like most people make an effort to give us room. Um, and I think that it's been pretty consistent throughout. But one thing that we have noticed um, since entering Central America for the most part is that we just get a lot of shout outs from people watching us pass by, specifically the just, hey, gringo, 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 gringo. And it is not the chillest. No, definitely not. But there are cool little acknowledgements that you only realize when you're traveling by bicycle or on foot. Like, um, in kind of starting in southern Mexico into Guatemala and a lot of parts of Nicaragua, um, whistling is a really big way of, like, acknowledging. So, um, every person kind of has their own little signature whistle, um, and they'll just give you their little whistle as you cycle by you give your whistle back and that's kind of just given like a hey what's up um and then other little things it's like the way people wave has been different like in uh in Nicaragua I was noticing that people instead of giving like a, just a full normal wave people would just put up their one finger and it would be like instead of a wave it'd be like they just point kind of either at you or up with their one finger so it's just those little things that you only notice with a with a slower face to face type of encounter, um, that's been really cool. The country to country uh, changes, um, and I, something that I've just really thoroughly enjoyed of trying to pick up on those and trying to reciprocate in the right ways or the wrong ways. And it's hard it's, hard to know which is which. Yeah, yeah, but that that's been a fun way. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, lastly, uh, Hank, we know that you asked if we could observe. Um, it's kind of a moment of silence for um, the cyclists that lost their lives in New York City. Um, Ty and I were thinking about this for quite some time, and we thought that maybe a podcast isn't the best place to take a moment of silence. Um, but one thing we wanted to do with this platform that we have is have a specific listener ask. So um, to take action um, by encouraging those around you, encouraging yourself to stay active, be active, live active, get out encourage that um, and um, just to be grateful to be grateful for the fact that um, you have the ability um, if you are lucky enough to be healthy enough to to be active to ride your bike to rollerblade to run jog whatever um, so we ask of you as a listener to encourage that in whatever way that means whether that's giving someone a thumbs up um, telling your roommate to go to the gym when they're asking if they should or not or whatever it is um, just encourage that. Encourage, encourage, encourage. And that brings us on to kindness to strangers. Um, so first and foremost, a huge shout out to Maura and Rosa um, from La Isla La Cordencia for g- 
giving us an entire day to spend with you um, and just fulfilling our hearts with all of the good and love that, that you two have and talking about India, feeding us, showing us how to eat sugar cane for the first time. Um, it was such an awesome day. So thank you both so, so, so much. And then a much, much less significant thank you to the cooks and employees of the Pizza Hut in Santa Rosa de Lima, El Salvador. Um, you guys, you didn't really give us that great of an experience. What you gave us was a reminder that it's always better to seek out any any other form of nourishment than a big fast food chain, an American fast food chain here in Latin America. So we will be heeding that advice from here on out, and I guess we owe you for that. And uh, for the one night that we spent in Honduras, Jamie and your mother Carmen, thank you for giving us a place to crash. Um, it was much appreciated. After crossing the border into Nicaragua, we got to Leon, where we met Brad, a local restaurant owner, and Rafa and Caliani, who own a hostel slash restaurant. And not only were these guys feeding us amazing food, they were also just really uh, inspiring examples of um, what you can do if you're willing to put yourself out there and be creative and uh, invest yourself in a foreign environment with foreign people and try and like build something that is uniquely your own. It was really inspiring to see what you guys were doing there in Leon. And a huge shout out to Jordan and Britt. Um, Jordan is a friend of mine who I worked with in Denver, uh, and we just became homies. He has been living in Nicaragua for the last year and a half, teaching music in a community outside of Managua, the capital, capital of Nicaragua. Um, and this community sits between two of Nicaragua's largest trash dumps. And what he's doing is he is teaching music to um, grade school and high school kids uh, from the community surrounding these trash dumps. and. Um, it was it, it was so cool just seeing how unbelievably happy he is and uh, how much joy he is spreading to the lives of others. Uh, and then, um, very surprisingly, uh, another friend from from Denver, uh, Britt, who we totally by chance met. Uh, we had no clue that he was even living in Nicaragua. Um, and Jordan was playing a gig at Ember, the restaurant and hostel that Ty mentioned. And he brought down Britt with him, who also happens to be working for the same organization, Love, Light, and Melody. Um, and it was just, yeah, one of those super small world moments. Uh, and uh, seeing a good familiar face, you know, talking about mutual friends, talking about Denver. Uh, it was just a good little dose of home. And uh, also their friend Mark, um, who was playing music with Jordan. Um, thanks for the great conversation. And, um, yeah, we actually went volcano boarding with with that crew, which, which was fun because Ty and I definitely haven't been doing, like, a ton of kind of... I think we definitely have a, a like a, a jaded opinion yeah, of all of like, like of touristy like goober things. like we consider certain things like kind of goober touristy yeah things but oh man it was so freaking fun just going for it and it was it was a blast it was <laughs> oh and then uh, a big shout out to Angelica Anna and Carolina. Um, just for being super freaking cool, uh, beautiful ladies to hang out with while Jordan was playing music at Ember. Um, just a good break from the smelly uh, partnership that Ty and I have. Um, <laughs> it was pretty funny. I was suffering from uh, my first bout of kind of stomach um, 
bug of the trip. Let's call it what it is. Diarrhea. <laughs> and the, I'm, I'm literally sitting there. I have the chills. <laughs> I'm drinking water. And I'm like falling asleep. And all this, all of a sudden these, these three just beautiful women walk in. And they sit down next to us, and I am just like, oh, good God. (laughs) I got to stay up, man. But yeah, just super funny. Um, And then uh, after leaving Leon, we went to Managua, where Jordan and Britt actually live full-time. And they set us up with the incredible staff at the Central Park Hotel, specifically Wilson and his brother Sergio. Um, who run the place, and it was just one of the most relaxing nights of rest and uh, good company that we've had anywhere along the trip. So we want to thank Wilson, Sergio, and the entire crew at the Central Park Hotel. If you're in Managua, definitely, definitely check it out. And a big shout-out to John, um, the Hostel El Camino owner in El Gigante, for um, being a warm showers host, giving us a spot to crash. Um, even if it was probably one of our <laughs> most sweatiest, most yeah. buggy nights, <laughs> but we signed up for it. And then a huge shout out to Maximo, um, uh, old friend of mine. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit Nicaragua like uh, I don't know six years ago, and met Maximo um, at Play El Gigante, and I hit him up when when we arrived. He came and uh, hung out with us for the night, and then rode out. Uh, rode out with us the next day for a little bit and uh, yeah just a super good dude great vibes Um, so thanks Maximum then Alexander in El Roble thanks for giving us a place to stay after one of the most heinous days of shoulderless riding with traffic Uh, it was an awesome place to just take a deep breath get away from the exhaust fumes and let our bodies recover and let our minds recuperate to get back on the bikes the following day um, big shout out to Alejandro and Nalia for giving me a lift um, at about mile 40 of a 65 mile day. My knee started giving out and uh, I still tired. I was like, dude, I'm going to have to hitchhike the rest of the day. I literally cannot pedal. Um, and they picked me up and um, dropped me off in the town we were staying in. Super nice, super cool. Um, so thanks a lot for, for giving me a ride. And here in Uvita, Victor, thank you so much for not only giving us a roof over our heads, but a recording studio to produce episode 13. And in talking with Victor about his own bike touring experience and his own plans for the future, it turns out that he is leaving in December to go down to Ushuaia to start cycling north. So sounds like we'll see you in Peru, Victor. And then we also want to thank this week's or this couple of weeks um, donors from the Spoke Nation front. First, Robin Moore, a family friend from Seattle. Thank you so much. And Uncle Tom, um, thank you for the Spoke Nation and for the book recommendation. They both come greatly appreciated. We also got some listener submissions, one from Hank that you guys heard earlier. Hank, thank you so much for sending that in. Um, I know it probably wasn't uh, a pleasant experience getting those thoughts uh, out and down in a recording. Um, A lot of deep thinking, a lot of somber feelings, but we really, really appreciate you sending that to us and asking us some tough questions that um, really made us think about why we're doing what we're doing and um, the risks behind it. And then on a different note, um, Dana was our first warm showers host from Cedar City, Utah. 
and we reached out to him in our continuing efforts to build our episode about motivation, and he got back to us with some really phenomenal material about his own motivations as an incredibly talented and successful ultra runner, um, specifically in the Wasatch 100 races up there in Utah. So Dana, thank you so much for giving us a peek into your mind and what keeps you going, and again, um, we ask that any other listeners out there that have some interesting, unique insights on the subject, please, please, please um, take a second to just record them on your phone and email them to us at thespokentour at gmail.com. And that about wraps it up for today's episode. Um, if you have a memento, um, bop onto iTunes, go to The Spoken Tour, and give us a review um, or just a goofy comment or a message. Send us something our way because we love hearing from you guys and gals. Um, but as for the next clip, we're meeting some friends and family in Panama City. And then it will be on to the Great South. Um, it is just terrifyingly intimidating looking at the continent of South America and the realizing just how humongous the Andes mountain range Spans from the northernmost tip to the southernmost tip, which we happen to be riding all of. Jesus. One day at a time. Adios. <laughs>